and welcome to Yudcast, episode 73. This is Head of School, Dan Glass with you once again recording live in the Sound Lab here at the Brandeis School of San Francisco. Very glad to be with you on this beautiful, sunny-ish Thursday morning. Uh, we're going to start this week as we start every week with a poem. Um, this is... Um, uh, this is a poem by a friend of mine, actually, Phoebe Wayne. She's somebody who I've had the pleasure and good fortune of uh, doing poetry readings with. She's somebody that I studied with at UC Davis many, many moons ago. Um, but I thought of her work because I um, I was thinking a lot about archives and libraries um, this week. And she is, um, she is uh, part of a... Um, a select group uh, of people who are both poets and librarians. Uh, and I think poetry and library work are um, often often quite related. Uh, and um, I'm always curious about how the two um, inform one another. And, uh, and I just think her work in general um, has a, uh, a beautiful lightness to it. Um, and this is from a, a chapbook of hers called The Sleep Volumes. Um, and uh, the piece goes like this. Too much, too loud, too soft and facing page. I cross from a civic paragraph. And there's our young friend up high. A volume of language brushing the blue air around his face, his feathered mouth. The door closes, it's all chimes and wet road sounds, close in and block-mined wood floor, and opens again to this bench holding up the day and the people absorbing the cold from the city, pulling endless white breath. I take hands and draw the boy, articulated from the cloud frame to the murmur of brick and text clatter, we fold and unfold with the weather. Shout out to Phoebe Wayne, continuing to just produce really, really beautiful poetry. Um, she's uh, a Pacific Northwestern poet, lives in Oregon. Um, and uh, I, I strongly recommend that volume uh, to you. Um, you can find it on um, the Dancing Girl Press website, uh, the chapbook there. Um, I think I've read from her work uh, another piece of hers called Lovejoy here on the Yidcast in the past. Um, so, you know, as I mentioned, I was thinking this week about archives, about the records we create and keep, and about the stories those records tell. Uh, I began my week in one of my new roles this year as yearbook co-advisor with our librarian, Becky Beeson. And actually, I have just come directly from a meeting with uh, the yearbook staff, who are a um, really awesome group. Uh, in our first meeting with this big and impressively smart yearbook staff, we talked about what drew the kids and the grown-ups to the work of making a yearbook. Things like digital photography, an opportunity to tell the story of the year, an interest in journalism, a love of writing, and so on. And we also looked through old and older Brandeis annuals to consider what we wanted to keep and what to change. 
The passage of time marked by the books was of great interest to the staffers. The change from black and white to color, finding older siblings in their kindergarten year, and tracking down Brandeis alumni, staff, and faculty like Rachel Freeman and Isaac Jacobs in their middle school awkwardness. Sitting in the beautifully redesigned space of our library, I found myself wondering about what stories the archive of Brandeis tells, too. How the accretion of experiences in the walls of our school is held and communicated. I was surprised how saddened I was earlier this week to hear of the National Museum in Brazil losing nearly its entire collection to a devastating fire. I've never been to the museum, I've never been to Brazil, but the loss of so much cultural history seems a global tragedy, regardless of any particular connection. In the age of instant cloud backups for so much of what we document, losing artifacts with no capacity to restore them is especially surprising and upsetting. On Twitter, the go-to descriptor of the event, the event seemed to be as a modern-day library of Alexandria, highlighting how fragile so much of what we keep remains across the millennia. Of course, the digital record, for all its infinite backups and relative imperviousness to fire, is sometimes better at holding history than telling stories. We were at a family barbecue on Labor Day and at one point sat flipping through some photo books made to document particular adventures, a cross-country drive or a trip to Hawaii, and found ourselves bemoaning the intangibility of our own photo collections. While well, we document and share more about our lives than maybe any other point in history, so little of that documentation remains beyond the instant of its sharing. Like many other parents, I'm sure we at the Glass household have big intentions to comb our photo archives and create lovely physical books for grandparents and ourselves to tell stories of our moments, to set out and treasure. But perhaps against the unending accretion of new pictures, or perhaps in the midst of the rapid current of raising young children, it never seems to happen. And so we blink, and while the pictures still exist out there in the ether, they are, for all intents and purposes, gone. Legend has it that the Library of Alexandria had an inscription on its walls, the place of the cure of the soul. I had always taken that at face value, the restorative power of books, the powerful, positive impact of writing and memory on our souls. But this week, I find myself hearing the other meaning of cure, to preserve. I'm grateful that Jewish practice has such an emphasis on storytelling and collective memory, on the preservation of a shared soul. And I am grateful, too, to be doing the work of institutional soul curing with our yearbook staffers, sorting the archives of our moments for the new stories we are writing together. And with that, I wish you all weekends full of soulful archives, my friends. Wishing you all a Shana Tova, a good year, a good new year, as we celebrate Rosh Hashanah uh, starting this weekend. Shabbat Shalom to any of you listening on Shabbat. Thanks for being here. We will be back with you next week.